Welcome to the Joy of Discovery. This is Ben Payton. Today we're going to air a message from, I believe, 2005. It was aired during the Christmas season. And the message is entitled, The People Who Missed Christmas. Are you in Luke chapter 2? Look at verse 7. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to uh, talk for just a few moments here about the people in and around Jerusalem that made no room for Jesus and the reasons for that. Because one of the things that we can find out is this day and age that we live in is not so much unlike the time that Jesus was born. For example, we begin with the innkeeper. The innkeeper wasn't a bad guy, but no doubt this was the time of the year when people were, were coming into uh, Jerusalem, coming into that city to pay their taxes, and you know they, they had a lot of responsibility, and they were very busy, and they were preoccupied with uh, things that had to be done. One of the things we, we uh, you know, the scriptures is, is uh, silent on this, but we are reasonably sure from the context of the passage that there's no indication that the innkeeper was hostile or even unsympathetic. He was just busy, exactly like millions of people today, consumed with activity, things that keep them busy. I uh, broke tradition this year and I went to the shopping malls or shopping mall one day earlier. And I was uh, amazed with how many people were in the malls. Uh, shouldn't have been, uh, but a lot of people doing something good, uh, very active in uh, getting ready for the Christmas season. That's exactly what I was doing. But we must be careful in our relationship with the Lord that we don't become so preoccupied with doing good things that we miss Jesus Christ, especially his birth, and, and miss our relationship with him. At Christmas, people are especially busy shopping, banquets, parties, concerts, school activities, and other things that attract their attention and demand their attention. And it, amaze, it amazes me now that even in our athletics for our young people, and even in, uh, in Botetourt County, I, I'm reasonably sure of this uh, because a friend of mine uh, who plays on a church team who is a, a staff member at a church here in town, they even have church softball games on Sunday. And I'm thinking, my goodness. And uh, you know, there is gotten to the point, now, you know, Church softball is not a bad thing. Uh, children activities aren't bad things. As a matter of fact, they're, they're good things, but it just seems like we have forgotten our responsibility to keep our relationship close with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we do that is gather into his temple, into his house, to have our faith strengthened, to have our souls uh, spiritually fed so that we can better fulfill the Great Commission. Amen. And in the clutter of activity, many preoccupied people 
miss the Son of God. There are many people that on this day have missed the true reason for the season. Just like the innkeeper. Not a bad guy, but he was preoccupied. Now, Herod is another story. He was di very different from the innkeeper. As a matter of fact, he wasn't ignorant. You see, some people might be just ignorant of, of the things of God. They've been brought up in a different culture, in a different society. Not that I'm making excuses for them, but I'm trying to make a point here about Herod. He was very well informed. He didn't want any competition for his throne. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, we read this, uh, and the scripture tells us that he was troubled. He was upset. This word conveys the idea of panic because his supremacy was in jeopardy. He had no use for anyone, any other kings, much less a king of the Jews. What was Herod's problem? It's a four-letter word, and it's one we can use in church. It's the word fear. He was fearful. And there are Herod types in our society. What was Herod's fear? That someone would take his throne. Lots of people are like him. They won't allow anything to interfere with their career, with their position, with their power, with their ambition, with their plans, with their lifestyles. They are not about to let someone else be king of their lives. They see Jesus as a threat. So they miss Jesus. People don't mind taking off work to commemorate Jesus' birth. They even embrace him as a resource when they get in trouble. They might gladly accept him as a spiritual benefactor, and they are willing to add him to their lives and call themselves Christian, but not if he insists on being king. And that's the very thing Jesus wants to be, is king. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Isn't life much easier when we don't have to worry about all of these other things? You know? We don't have to struggle and, uh, and, and, and fight for and grapple with all of these conflicts and power positions. Because if we give Jesus Christ the rightful throne in our heart then he's promised to take care of us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. When trouble comes, when difficulty is, is right around the corner, he's always promised to give us a way of escape. He's promised to take care of us. We have security with him. We have, we have life insurance with him. Don't you love it when they come and want to sell you life insurance? When in reality, it's death insurance. I was uh, at the Saki house doing something spiritual, eating. Sitting right across from me was a man from England, quite a witty guy. And we engaged in conversation. And he asked me what I did. I said, I'm a heart surgeon come and see me sometime. He said, oh, my Lord, that's like saying I'm a funeral director. Come and see me sometime. And then we went on. Y'all didn't get that, but you will in a little bit. Too much eggnog. 
In a little bit, I told him that I was a minister, and I am a heart surgeon, spiritual heart, because at the root of every problem can be traced to one thing, a heart problem, a heart problem. That's how deep it runs. And we will continue, listen, we will continue to struggle as Christians until we get to the point to where we recognize we must dethrone ourselves and enthrone Jesus Christ as our king, our Lord. What does that mean to be king? It means he's the boss. You don't vote on anything with a king. He just says, this is the way it is, and you do it. But he wouldn't tell you to do anything that, you wouldn't, that wouldn't be beneficial to you, that would help you. There are many people, many people that will guard at all costs their own priorities, will guard at all costs their own values and their morals. They won't come to Christ if he threatens to cramp their style. Are you listening? They will not accept his right to rule over them. They want to run the show. Luke 19 and 14, we will not have this man reign over us. But I propose to you that you only have this choice, the King, Jesus Christ, to rule your life, or the world, the satanic world that will absolutely uh, rule you with your lust and your desires and your cravings that can never be satisfied. Only Jesus, the songwriter said, can satisfy my soul. The people who miss Christmas, the innkeeper, preoccupied. The people that miss Christmas, Herod, fearful of losing his throne. The third is a group, the religious leaders. Matthew 2 and chapter 4 identifies these for us, the chief priests and the scribes. When he had gathered all the chief priests, we're talking about Herod, and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They knew scripture well enough to quote Micah 5, 2 which prophesied that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and yet they missed Christmas. They were the theological experts, the guardians of spiritual truth in Israel, and they never even bothered to walk the few miles south to Bethlehem to find out for themselves if the Messiah indeed had been born. Why did they miss Christmas? indifference. They were indifferent. They didn't care. They had all the facts, just didn't care. God help us today. America has all of the facts. They know about Christ. And regardless of what the media says and how they try to twist it, we still know that we celebrate Christmas because it is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody knows that. They can deny it in any way they want to, but the truth just comes loudly uh, blasting through. This is the season 
that God chose to incarnate himself through his son Jesus Christ to come to be the savior of the world. That gives me holy goosebumps. Their Messiah was not really important to them. The religious people. They felt no need for him. Why? They were self-righteous. They kept the law. They believed they were already all that God ever asked of them. They were perfect in their own minds. You ever seen anybody like that? What is the root of indifference? Pride. These men were too busy with themselves to be concerned about Jesus. Engrossed in their own self-sufficiency, they carried on their ritual and petty theological discussions in the confines of their own comfortable system. They had no, no time for the Son of God. In fact, when he began his public ministry, these men became his principal adversaries. They hated and despised him and ultimately plotted his murder. They didn't want him because they didn't think, listen, they didn't want him because they didn't think they needed him. Isn't that sad? Indifference is one of the most common reactions to Christ. And it's a sin. It is typical of religious people who don't think they need a savior. They think they're okay just the way they are. And what a dangerous attitude. You ever met anybody like that? Jesus' primary ministry was to people who had problems and knew it. He said in Matthew 9, 13, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But sinners. In other words, those who are indifferent, who don't realize they are sinners, cannot respond to his call. So there we have added to our list the religious people. Fourthly, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Out of the whole of Jerusalem society, God picked a band of shepherds to hear the news of Christ's birth. And that's kind of intriguing because shepherds were among the lowest and most despised social groups. It is significant, however, that they came to see him. Not one other person came to see him firsthand. Why? This is good. Why did Jerusalem miss Christmas? And you're going to be surprised at this answer. Religion. Religion. They were busy worshiping the right God in the wrong way. They were caught up in the externals of true religion, but they had abandoned the heart of their faith. In other words, Jesus didn't fit their system. Does Jesus fit comfortably into your system? Does Jesus fit comfortably into your life? Religion can be a deadly trap. Ritual and rules enable people to feel spiritual when they're not. Religious activity is not synonymous with genuine righteousness. Religion will damn people to hell as surely as immorality. In fact, Scripture tells us Satan's ultimate trick is to disguise himself as an angel of light. Fifthly, let's talk about the Romans. I want to get you out here before noon. The Romans. The Roman soldiers, they must have been everywhere in Bethlehem on that day in the surrounding area, overseeing the census, registering people, and keeping order. Yet they missed Jesus' birth. 
Why? Idolatry. They had their own gods. So they totally ignored his birth. The idolatry of the 21st century is selfishness and materialism. If that is what you worship, then you miss Christmas. And you can make anything an idol. I've told you this before, and it bears repeating, when my son Blair was born, and we were so thrilled to have a son at last. And my dad, uh, after he was on up maybe a year or so old, I don't, I, I don't remember the total context of the uh, conversation, but he made this comment to me. He said, don't make that boy a god. And I realized he was right. We must teach our children who the one true God is in our life, that it is Jesus Christ, and we must honor him and do the best we can to live before him so as to teach our children. They know what you love. They know what your passion is. The people that are around you know what your idols are. Lastly, the people of Nazareth miss Jesus. Nazareth was a crude, uncultured town, quite a distance from Bethlehem. They had the reputation for violence. Nathaniel expressed the prevailing opinion of that little town, and it's recorded in John 1:46. Can anything good, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? What was their problem? Familiarity. They knew him too well. I've often heard it said, familiarity breeds contempt. And that's true. We can become so familiar with things that are religious, so familiar with Christ, so familiar. But familiarity mixed with unbelief is a deadly thing. It strangles conviction. It strangles our, uh, God's ability. Uh, the Bible talks about hardening of the heart. It strangles his ability to Man, not manipulate, I don't like that word, maneuver us or, or gently love us to keep us where we need to be. Unbelief of a person who has heard all the sermons, sat through all the Bible lessons, knows all the Christmas stories, but rejects Christ, it's a tragic sin. Be careful of familiarity. It breeds contempt. We can become so familiar that we lack the appreciation of what Almighty God has done for us. Perhaps you've been missing Christmas. You get presents, eat a big dinner, praise God, decorate a tree, but you know in your heart that maybe you're not any different than the innkeeper who was preoccupied with not bad things, but with things that needed to be done. Or maybe you like Herod, who has this fear of someone taking over your life, or religious leaders who were indifferent, or the people of Jerusalem. Religion. Most people today don't like to say they're religious. They like to say they're spiritual. And they've turned that word just around just as much as they had religion. They use that as an excuse not to do the things of God. I can be spiritual in my own light. You've got to line up with the word of God. The Romans had idols. The citizens of Nazareth were familiar. Familiarity. 
Are you missing the reality of Christmas? Give Jesus. I could have just bypassed all that and ended right and just said, here's my message. Give Jesus his rightful place in your life. That's the message of Christmas. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, our Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that morning lonely exile here until the Son of God. enjoyed today's edition of the joy of discovery and its presentation of the people that missed christmas next week be sure to catch us for the dramatic production of the other wise man the joy of discovery podcast is a production of benpayton.com have a great christmas season